Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. Edit audio. For a really long time, I had the dream job. I had a cool as hell boss. It was a creative environment, good pay, flexibility to pursue my creative work. I had everything. And then one day... Out of nowhere, my boss's contract wasn't renewed. And my job, at least in the current iteration that I loved, it was just going to be gone. And this was not in the Great Robin plan. And the panic that I felt, it was absolutely real. I immediately went into a must fix this mode. And I flooded myself with questions like, what is my next move? Where are our benefits coming from? How will I ever get this set up again? I was so panicked that I couldn't even tell what was a real issue to panic over. Like, we could just get on my wife's benefits. So why was I shouting like 24-7, oh my God, what about the benefits? Like, we're fine, Robin, just stop with the benefits. But I could not separate what was the real fear and what was just a knee-jerk reaction to a situation that was not in my control or one that I didn't want. And I couldn't slow myself down enough to know the difference. Hello, everyone. I'm Robin Hopkins, and this is Well Adjusting, where I talk to people about life stuff, but not in an NPR way. It's more like we're at the bar, having cocktails, getting into your business sort of way. It's it's giving drunk NPR. Oh, and producer Steph is here, too. Hello. Today we chat, well, who are you without your job? Ah, welcome back, everybody. It is so good to be here with you today. And holy moly, am I excited for this episode. On today, it's Mina Starziak-Hawk. Okay, you know her from shows on HGTV like My Fave, Good Bones, or her podcast, Mina AF, which I was honored to be a guest on. But guess what? Today, she's our guest, and she is here to talk about the ending of one of her jobs and the impact that it's had on her from worrying about the future of her team members to wondering what's next for her and processing all those, let's call them pesky feelings that have come up around this transition. I'm telling you folks, buckle up because it is one hell of a chat, and I think we just need to get right to it. Hi, Mina. Hello. How are you? You know, the easy answer is great, but I'm slightly under the weather. Um, mentally and emotionally is just not really great, but I'm alive. 
My kids are healthy and my husband's good. I feel like we're one of the rare places where when you say you're not doing great, it's perfect for the podcast. Yeah. So, so woo. Yeah. Welcome. We'd really have not a lot to talk about if I was like, everything's perfection. I love it. I was on your podcast, had the time of my life. And yes. I was like, God, I hope she has some problems so she could come on my podcast. And then cut to, you have some problems. I mean, I could be your only podcast guest for the rest of both of our lives and would have enough <laughs> content to fill. <laughs> But thank you for having me. What was the thing that you reached out about that we wanted to talk about? Can you tell me a little yeah, bit about it? So, I mean, I think in general, it's just, you know, I'm an I'm an adult. I'll be 39 and I am kind of having like a midlife crisis, but my life is pivoting. I've been filming um, my show for the last eight years. And while I might end up doing it in some form again at some time in the future, right now I'm not. So it's this weird midlife crisis moment that I am just, I, I don't even know the stages of grief. I couldn't tell you the order, but I know I hit them all about every hour, every day. So, you know, just kind of talking, talking through that and yeah, navigating this new opportunity slash problem slash all, you know, fill in the blank. It just feels like all the things. Well, you know what I think is so interesting about this? Because I feel like a lot of people listening could be like, you know, well, I don't have a TV show yeah. that I did for eight years. But the but the thing is, is that like you're really talking about a workplace issue of yeah. being at one place like consistently for eight years. And then all of a sudden now, whether it's through your choice or someone else's choice, you're not going to be going there anymore. And then you're in this new place. Well, it's just a whole like identity crisis. Like, yeah. It's even bigger because- I started doing this. I was out of college. I was waiting tables and I was like slanging, installing flooring in my houses on the side. And then it rolled into this amazing thing that's been crazy and hard and beautiful and awful and all the things for the last eight years. And now we have this window of time that may be a permanent window or maybe a temporary one. But it's like, well, what do I want to do when I grow up now? Because I went... I was just in this thing for so long. Yeah, yeah. Well, let me ask you a question before we go, before we jump right to what do you want to do when you grow up? You said that you were just like slinging floor tile on the side and like, you don't just like all of a sudden get a TV show. So like, was this something that was like a dream of yours that you marketed yourself toward? No, I did. I did just all of a sudden get a TV show. Can you, I've been trying to all of a sudden get a TV show for somewhere <laughs> around 30 years. And I, So if you could please tell me about how that works, please. There are definitely people who can do things because they worked hard enough and tried hard enough. I yeah. did not, I did not do that. But I had made a Facebook page because none of these other things existed yet. Um, I had started right out of college, renovated my home and then just really loved it and convinced my mom like we should do this again. And we started doing that in 2007. And between 2007 and 2014, we just renovated a house or two a year. And I made a Facebook page for our business that I also just decided, I was like, I need, I need a name so I can order merch and make a Facebook page and get checks with the name on them. <laughs> um, so Two Chicks and a Hammer was born. I made the Facebook page. And there were like nine realtors that followed me to see like what project we had coming up because at the time there weren't a lot of people renovating where I was. So right. that's what I was doing and that's what was found. It was my Two Chicks and Hammer Facebook page that had my home address and my cell phone number on it and a woman called me and said, have you ever thought about making a TV show? But I do I do feel like you're already underselling yourself though because you had the wherewithal to be like, a lot of people just renovate homes and don't go, well, I need a Facebook page and yeah. then I need to. And, and Facebook does make it sound 
like you weren't being ahead of the time, but you were because at that time, that's where people were going. Right. So it's like you already had an eye on something bigger. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think I knew what it was, but for sure. And I have the kind of family that everyone's like, you guys should have your own TV show. And it's like in a tragic way. Not, you should have a TV show. This is so cool. It's like, you guys really should have a TV show because this is so wild. No one would fucking believe it. So when she said, have you ever thought about making a TV show? I think that's probably what I said. I was like, I don't know. People tell us we're like wackadoo all the time and we should have our own. So sure, let's try it. We started going through the process. We made the pilot episode. And I don't remember the numbers now, but it's something like 600,000 outreaches happen. And then like 30 pilots happen. And of those 30 pilots, like four go to first season. And of that maybe one makes it past a first season. So the odds of getting from that phone call to a season eight are very, very slim. And I don't know how we were one of the few that, you know, managed to not get fired for that long (laughs) or, you know, keep it up. But we were. So uh, it's a nice ride. So all of a sudden you turn around and you're like, okay, now this isn't happening anymore. Talk to me about, I mean, initially, like what starts coming up? Like, is there panic? Well, it's so weird because even sitting here now, um, you know, three months out of kind of the beginning of this next stage, I don't have an answer for most of it. Heck, I might be filming again by the time this airs. Yeah. So it's so interesting. I need answers. And there's so many people whose like jobs and lives like rely on me and this other party making a decision on how we're moving forward. And what it really was, was we can't agree right now. Okay. And because it created this window of time where I could breathe, now that I have breathed, I think that's how you sure. breathe. Yeah, I'm like, sure. oh, okay, we can do this different and we can do it better and we can do it in a way that's sustainable without all of us losing our minds. And that's kind of where I've landed after three months of up and down. But it was just this emotional roller coaster of, so many hard things that I was going to have to do because at the time saying we don't agree right now, it didn't just mean we don't agree right now. Let's like give it some time. It meant for the first time in eight years, I'm not going to be filming full time doing 13 houses at once, which requires a team. I mean, it is a village that raised that child and that child is dysfunctional as hell, but the village did the best they could do. And that means I can't keep my team. And so Mm. my first stage of like grief was, I was negotiating. I don't know if that's the first one, but that's what I did first. I was like, okay, what do we do? How do we keep the team in place? What what can we use to fill the gap? How do we fill the time? Do we start doing homeowner consultations? Do we grow the store? Do we launch this to try to figure out how do I keep this team that I built? Because they rely on me and they have stuck it out through like the cruddy times and I owe them this and how do we do it? And that's what I did for, I think it was about two or three weeks. And then Finley, uh, who's on my team, She was like, I need to stop you. You Mm. don't understand. There is no money. Like it's, and I'm getting teary eyed thinking about it. And I was like, I didn't, I didn't understand. Why didn't you tell me sooner? Which she had. I just need to literally be like punched in the face with the information. I'm not delicate. So while I was negotiating how I could make this work still, like it just wasn't going to work. There was no way. Unless, you know, yeah. I start my OnlyFans page, which there's a huge demand for, I think. <laughs> Listen, I feel like there's a whole foot market. You know, I haven't seen your feet. I haven't, well, I've seen your feet now. She just showed them to us, <laughs> folks. Well, you, you know what I want to say? What's so interesting, what you're starting to talk about is 
you're talking really about fear. Yeah. Right. And you're, and you're talking about the very first thing that you did was just try to save it all and save all the people and like grab everybody and be like, get in the lifeboat. Yeah. We're all safe. Everything's fine. Yeah. Versus like thinking about, and it sounds like, and I'd be willing to bet maybe you got there, but starting to think about like, okay, what do I want? But it's hard to be able to say, what do I want when you feel like you're holding up a team of people. 100%. I felt very responsible for everyone. And I also felt like I owed them because it's not the most glamorous job. Everyone has just been so in it with me that saying after all this time and after all the hard work you guys have put in, you don't have a job anymore. It was really like, it was not something I could accept. And I also yeah. didn't know what I was going to do. There was all these people looking at me like, well, what is next? And sitting three months out from that, I still don't know. And that's fucking terrifying. Yeah. A lot of fear. Yeah. Well, have you been able to release this pressure on yourself? Because I don't know how you can get to dreaming about what your next venture is if all you're doing is trying to pump up the lifeboat. Well, the 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 unique thing that I think made it even more challenging is whatever decision I made everyone was going to know and they weren't going to know the real story. And that's hard because although I'm almost 40 and I know like it doesn't matter what people think, there's already things out there. Like even on our show premiere, someone's like, well, tell the real story about how she fired everyone and ruined the business. I'm like, you guys have no idea. And I know it doesn't matter, but it just adds another layer that's so hard to not care about because I care so much about all these people and how they help the business grow. So it was this added like level of fear like what are people gonna think like yeah that I am trying to save myself and letting everyone else drown when right. that's not really what's happening but even if it is like it that maybe that's okay like I do need to save myself you do you do and and you're not responsible because you hired someone you're not responsible for their their livelihood for the rest of their lives I mean good people you bring those people back I think that was part of the fear too like Once I have to let them go, I can never get this back. That was a huge part of it, which I think was why I was trying to like figure out how to keep them for so long. What I think is interesting is that you came on with this question that was like, what do I do when the thing I've been doing for eight years is no longer like potentially the thing I'm going to continue doing. But really, I think like the more emotional parts are about, I don't know, like the grief of losing your team and then like. I think there's an identity piece that you're coming at, right? Where you're like, well, who am I now? Because I'm not attached to this thing. And then that's compounded by like, well, what do these people that have been my family for eight years Mm -hmm. think and say about me? Like, that's fucking with you, too. And there's even another layer that maybe doesn't apply to as many people, but you are judged in the court of social media. Yeah. One of the things that was the hardest for me is when I knew I was going to have to let go of some of my team. Um my younger brother, Tad, started a construction company called The Hammer. Um, He hasn't worked for me for a few years. And I was trying to figure out how I could home these lost children that I didn't want to like just put back out into the universe. And I reached out to my younger brother to say, do you have room on your team for these people? I can't keep them. I've done my job so poorly that I can't keep them but can you? And it was a very, very hard phone call to make, particularly given the relationship my brother and I have. And he did end up taking on two of my employees, which was great. But there was a lot, like, there was a lot layered on that 
because, and I'm still kind of pulling it apart, to be honest. Like, I, I didn't, like, did I fail? Did I not fail? Like, that's what I want to ask you about. Why did you say that? Why did you say, because I've done my job so poorly? Yeah. If you go back to your own words, the likelihood of one getting a green light of a pilot, like then having it last into a second season, like it is incredibly difficult to get a TV show, land a TV show, keep a TV show. You landed for eight years. Why are you, you talking know, that way about yourself? I think the reason I say it, it that way is because that's what I think other people are going to see and say. And I'm not wrong because that's what they said. Well, that could be two asshats on Twitter. <laughs> No, it's my family. It's not asshats on Twitter. Oh, it's, it's your family. It's my family. Okay. It's my. It's the people okay. around me. And I have some very good relationships with my family. I have some very, very toxic relationships, some very narcissistic relationships. And there's that whole dynamic when you're adding on top of all this that it is. it was a family business and it isn't any longer. And we don't talk about that. We just don't talk yeah. about it. And we don't talk about why. And it's really hard, like even on my own podcast, when I'm trying to be open and honest, I'm also still trying to be very respectful of other people. It's not like they're all dead and I can just tell my version of the story and it's fine. Like it affects people. What are you doing to take care of yourself in this instance then? Like, are you setting boundaries? Are you having conversations? Like, because it's like, again, I, I said this earlier, but I have to say it again. Like, I don't know how you get to like a healthy space where you can be thinking about what's next for you if you're still in the middle of all this shit. So I, I've I've swung both ends of the pendulum. And I think oh, I about three months out, I'm in an okay spot. Because first, I was like, I burn bridges as needed. Fuck this. And I, my husband was like, while I agree... I think just... <laughs> He's like, might we slow this down a little? Think about burning them for like a week. And if you still want to burn them, then we'll talk. Very yeah. reasonable. I'm setting boundaries now. And again, I think a lot of people can relate to this in like dysfunctional family dynamics. When one person starts setting boundaries, they're the asshole. Everyone else is normal. Yes. The boundary yes. setter is the asshole. Because well, you're breaking a pattern of the way things have been. Mm-hmm. And then people have to look at themselves and that's never comfortable. But do they? Because then they still don't. No. And then you're like, I'm being gaslit like a mofo. Well, that's it. Because the choices are, if someone sets a boundary on you, you can either hear it. They're setting a boundary because you're hurting them. Mm-hmm. So you can either hear it and make a change. But the likelihood is they're not they're going not to gonna. because and you gotta the be person okay has with to that. set it. Yeah. And that's not easy. And I think for me, because my family has been so intertwined with the business for so long, that what my goal is, is to separate those things. And then once they've been separated, see if we like each other. See if we can yeah. build something back. Because right now, I mean, even with my, my brother, for example, recently, I, I told him, I said, I am struggling to figure out how to have a, a good relationship with you. So what I would like to do is please remove anything business because right now I can't find the thing and I want to be able to find the thing that makes us have a good relationship that we both want. And, and how was that? How, was, what, that how did was, he respond? It's not well received. So it goes back to the original question of what are you doing to take care of yourself? Um, I am trying to set boundaries. I am doing – so I've always – not always. Um, in the last couple of years, I – had a business counselor that was really like just a therapist. She was lovely. And she asked me that question a bunch of times. And she was like, we're going to pick things and you're going to do them. And she wanted two things that I did every week. We landed on one thing that I do biweekly and I get a massage. (laughs) You were like, I like to negotiate that down. I don't have enough time to do two things that make me happy every week. (laughs) But I do. I get a massage every other week and I feel like a butthole every time I do it. 
because it feels self- Why? Because I'm like, well, Finley's still at her desk not going to get a massage. Why do I get to go get a massage? But I do it. I go through the yeah. thought process. I deal with it. I do it every two weeks. And it is like life-changing when I'm done. And that's really about it. There's not a whole lot that I've figured out to do other than like the, the setting boundaries things is, is new and I'm getting better at it yeah. and I'm working on it. And That's like, huge though. Yeah. That's huge. Well, thank you. My wife Mary and I went to this couple's therapist um, at one point and, and Mary doesn't like when we first started dating, I'd be like, what do you want to do? And she was just like, me? She's like, no one's ever asked me what I want to do. And I was like, what do you, what, like, what do you want for dinner? Where do you want to go? Like, and the, the couple's therapist said something to her because I'm obviously a strong voice. Her sister is a very strong voice. Like we're both very, she said, what if you took Robin and you put her in a corner? What if you took your sister and you put her in a corner? What if you took your job and you put them in a corner? What would you want? And as soon as Mary does that, she's always like, oh, well, I'd have pizza. Like it clears right. everything away for her. Like she doesn't have to. And, and I wonder for you, if you were to take your team out of the picture, if you were to take out your family out of the picture, all the people that are, you're responsible for, what would you want your next thing to be? That's what I'm trying to do. And while I've loved what I've done the last eight years, I was a crazy person and I thrive in chaos. So I made it work. And it's also like I'm finally getting old enough where I'm like, that's not sustainable. You really should chill the yeah. F out. That <laughs> um, I would love to figure out a way to do that again. There's actually like already been conversations about like what the next iteration of this could look like, how it could work. But I also have gotten to the place mentally where I'm going to do what I'm doing. Mm -hmm. I think it's pretty interesting. And if anyone wants to join along for the ride, then let's do that. And let's do it in a really cool, fun way that works long term for everyone. And anything other than that, I'm just not interested in. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. I don't get the impression that in your fears or in your upsets that are happening right now, there's like a concern for how am I going to make a living? Oh, yeah. You I'll, know, go, I'll wait tables if I need to. I mean, right. I, <laughs> that's what I'm saying. Like, that's not your fear. Yeah. You know, it's, so it's like I'm trying to put my, my thumb on what exactly the fear is. It seems like some of it is just the fear of judgment and yeah. the fear of having to take care of everyone. But like if you are able to free yourself up from that, then you can figure out what moves you and what you would love to do and what you would love to you know, like what you would want to see in five years. Forget about three months. Yeah. yeah. Do you have, sometimes like I'll have that little like thing inside that's like, I, I have that thing I want five years now, but I think either I'm afraid to say it or like, what if I say it out loud and then I can't make it happen? Like, do you have that little thing inside that's like, I'm not sure I can make that happen, but God, this would be fucking amazing. I don't. 
So one of the really cool things when I did my, um, like six months with my business therapist consultant, she gave me an EQ, which is the emotional intelligence test. Have you ever done that? Yeah. Okay. So cool. I love those tests. I love them. One of the things that was the most interesting to me that she was like, this has probably served you really well is in a room of a hundred people, if like a fucking bear comes tearing (laughs) through, everyone is going to experience fear except me and two other people. We're the last three to experience fear. I overwhelmingly don't experience most of the emotions in the general range of most people. But the fear one was super interesting because it doesn't even cross my mind that I can't do it or won't do it. or It's just, I just like jump in and then see if I can swim. And I think most of my fear is on that, like on the back end. Okay, I started this ball rolling. Now I'm terrified for when I have to stop it. I think that's more like the back end. Well, and I wonder if I were to push back on that and say, the fear is always with you or the feelings are always with you, but you are just super good at standing on top of them and moving, moving the ship forward. Yes. I am epically excellent at compartmentalizing. So I will deal with this when I need to deal with it. And so the fear probably is there, but I'm like, you're just going to go over here. I'm going to do this. I love how you still said probably. (laughs) You still hedged your bets. It might be in there. It might be in there. Yeah. But I, so I guess what, what I'm saying is like, I'm wondering if maybe it might serve you a little bit, like while you're practicing boundaries, but to maybe like discompartmentalize a little yeah. bit and let some of the things overflow into one area so that you're more able to like lead with your heart. Like, like there's nobody not, in this that's world not is going to do with like I need that. They need the people around me. Like my husband is safe. My kids are safe. And not that my family is unsafe, but my family is wackadoo. So it's not a safe place to spill over. Right. But damn it. I'm so glad you said that. The The, the reason I'm saying this is because you are a hundred percent operating out of fear because it wasn't safe. But like, and I've had a therapist say this to me many times, like, is there a way to talk to yourself, Robin, and say, but I'm not unsafe now. Yeah. I'm not 12 year old Robin. Yeah. I'm not Robin who was unsafe. Cause a lot of like one of my, my safety issues, like in your situation would be all about money. Yeah. I'd be insane about yeah. money. Right. I would yeah. be like, Oh my God, do we have enough? Is it put here? And, and I'd be, I'd have spreadsheets opened up, but there's a part of me that would have to have a talk with myself and say, Robin, you have money. You are okay. You can work at Lowe's or Home Depot because you're a lesbian. You can work at Starbucks and and get them benefits. Like you'll be fine. So I want that mantra for you of like, you are safe and you are okay. And, and you can like those walls served you, the compartment served you, but they may not be serving you right now. Yeah. Yeah. I think all the, like the money thing, that is a huge thing for me. And those things Any all trauma happen. childhood. Yeah. yeah. That's just the way it is. Yeah. That conversation probably happens 12 times a day in my brain, but it's so fast and gets like put to the side so quickly that it's just not something I experience. Because if I felt that, my husband would fucking fall apart because he yeah. feels that. And so I don't yeah. get to feel that. I have to be yeah. like, no, we are good. We are fine. He lost his whole house when he was 18 and thought it was perfect, his life. And then it all fell apart. So we can't 
both lose our minds about money at the same time. <laughs> so well, and just, you're a doer. You're like yeah. a tremendous doer. So you literally will pick up a hammer and start moving. Yeah. But like, what if like, and we're working on this with my son and I'm recognizing, I wish that someone had worked on this with me when I was little of expanding that space of uncomfortableness. Yeah. Like as soon as I get uncomfortable, I mean, for me, I start jamming food in my mouth or I go into like crazy overdrive, but like trying to expand that time where I can sit in uncomfortable feelings. I'm getting better at it. It's hard. Very hard. It is. But I think... If anybody has the answer, you could, you know, let us know in the comments how we fix that. I don't know if it's just age, but it does feel like it's something that comes with age. And I don't know how we help our kids not just have to wait till they're 40 or 50 to feel like it's okay to be uncomfortable. But it's definitely something that is a newer feeling for me to just be yeah. like, yeah, I, I will I will out uncomfortable you. I'm good. <laughs> when Robin was saying that about like, you know, you are safe, like you don't have to operate from this place of fear. Like, are you able to tell yourself that you're safe? Or were you like, oh, fuck, Robin, like, shut up. Fuck off, Robin. No, I am <laughs> such a control freak. And there are so many mechanisms in place that I know if the bottom falls out, I will I will be safe. Like I'm, I'm too much of a control freak to not know that I will be able okay, to be. Okay, but that is not the same. But that as is the exact that opposite of <laughs> yes. saying you're safe. <laughs> yes. No, I don't. I don't feel safe, but I trust myself enough that I will do whatever I need to not ever actually be unsafe. I guess. Yeah. But it does. Even talking about it, it feels like we're talking about like it's not me. Like I'm outside of myself. Yeah. Well, but but you know what though? All three of us right here, we're all the same person in that traumatic childhood and then we came up with incredible coping mechanisms that we use whenever we're uncomfortable so the choice of not using the coping mechanism is the answer i think yeah yeah and for me it was just staying busy so yeah. now that i've that's done the, all the but hard- that's your coping mechanism yeah. though yeah so i'm saying what would you do if you weren't busy so i went to get a strep test on that was your relaxation <laughs> wasn't it <laughs> it's sunday morning so I get up and I'm like, this isn't, I get struck a lot. So I'm like, I'm going to get a test. So I left the house at like 740 and I was the only one in this immediate care. It was lovely. I sat there. I talked to a doctor. He's like, your strep is negative. And because I was already out, I stopped at Lowe's to get the two things that we had needed at the house. And on the drive home, I was like, well, this was lovely. This yes. was some lovely, quiet, alone time while I got my strep test and ran an errand. And if I had just been home and been like, I want to go to the hardware store, I'd feel bad because you'd be like, well, what are we all going to do? Are you going to take a kid? Do you want to take a, what, why do we have to do a project? Can we just like hang Ugh. out together? There would have been all these things. And getting the strep test was, after the fact, I was like, well, that's that's a little silly that that was a respite for a moment. <laughs> I do think there's some things that are about like reframing, you know, yeah. like sometimes I go to pick up groceries and I'm like oh it was a nice 10 minutes in my day where I like sat alone with my thoughts well walked alone with my thoughts and like picked out cute fruits and was excited (laughs) about them is that a productive thing that I needed to do yes could it have been reframed by someone I'm like dating or you know my family as like a task yeah but like for me in that day maybe it was like a self-care thing and I think sometimes we're allowed to do that yeah just saying what I need 
without framing it in my mind that like I'm this annoying, needy human that's like, just do it, buck up. Like that's the voice. Yeah, you have a lot of that in in your, and I do too. Like if I get sick, I think I did something wrong. (laughs) I think that I I either, I either willed this because I'm lazy or like I didn't take care of myself health wise or I wasn't eating well enough. Like it's like, I can go right. It's like a fucking cold. Like it's a germ. So it's like, I get that and I get how hard it is to ask for stuff. But I think that'd be great homework practice for everyone on this uh, little recording. Well, even you um, saying like, it's it's going to be my fault. I feel like everything's my fault anyway. So who gives a fuck? That's kind of how far that's it's That's freeing. Like it's that's always my- going to be my fault. Or at least pe- it's not, people are always going to think it's my fault. So it doesn't matter yeah. what I do in between. And that's kind of where I'm like burning bridges as needed. Like y'all are going to yeah. think what you're going to think anyways. It doesn't matter what I do. It doesn't matter how kind I am, how much I try, how like how wrong you are. People are going to think it, so why even try? Just Well, we've mentioned the pendulum swing, and I yeah. just wonder if for a lot of the things we're talking about, for you and for me and for Steph, if there's not a middle ground. Yeah. Like there's the absolute fear of what people think about you, and then there's that they can all go fuck themselves. Yeah. Well, what's, the, what's, what's the middle look like? I, I mean, because the middle, I, I worry a lot about what people think about me, but I feel like the middle is like, was I the best human that I know I could be? Did I clean up any messes I made? And then after that, I have to allow you to have whatever opinion you have about me. Yeah. And then I have to walk away knowing I can sleep well because I know I was the best human being I could be at that time. And anything that didn't show up to that level, I cleaned up. Mm-hmm. That's that's yeah. that's what I'm trying to find for the middle. It is not easy. No, but that does sound like a good middle. I think also like your identity is yours. Your identity is your own perception of yourself. Like other people have perceptions of you, but that's not yours to hold. You know, it's like so at the end of the day, say, though, it's so easy to say, but it's just so hard in life. Yes, I agree. But if I think you're not doing yourself a favor by blaming yourself yeah. to them to get in front of their judgment, you know, like because at the end of the day, if you really believed like I am the best person that I could have been on this day. Like one person being like, you were actually shitty. You wouldn't feel it as hard, I don't think. So one of my other like top 10 sayings is the fish stinks from the head down. And I'm <laughs> I'm the head. So like, if you really follow that back up, it all leads here. And trying to like get out of get out of that thought process, because in some ways it does like, yes, this is my company. I did this. So all paths lead back to that. But trying to like trying to pick that apart and be like, okay, well, what really is my responsibility, even though. Yes. Yeah. And what good things also came from it. Like if you're going to yes. let yourself absorb the, the shit, you have good to. things don't matter. It Steph, does. No one cares about those. Well, you should care about them. (laughs) Yes. And I was going to say, like Steph mentioned reframe. I feel like the middle ground for you and reframing are two things that like could really help a lot because because instead of reframing uh, a television show that lasted eight years that employed people, that gave people cool jobs, working for a, a good boss. Like, let's reframe that to that. Yeah. Versus um, I failed and it fell apart or it ran its course. And it had a beginning, a middle, and an end. It may have another iteration. You may work with these people in another way in the future. But there's a reframe in that. You know what? You know what I did that I was really proud of myself? And this is even just a step because I'm going to say what I did that I was proud of myself about. Please, yes. yes. So 
we were towards the end of filming and we've we've not had really a break. We've always rolled into the next season and there was lots of what's going to happen. There was confusion. There was angst. There was all these things. And I did not behave in ways that I was proud of. I felt like I was like fighting for my life and fighting for my team's life. And I was, I was like, I'm going to go out guns blazing. And I had a moment and I think it was like, I think Steve, my husband said something to me like, it matters. Like these last two weeks matter. And so uh, a couple of the people on the team that were with my production company who we'd been, you know, going at it head to head, all these things, I pulled them aside and I was like, I don't want to rehash anything, but I want you guys to know that I'm not proud of who I've been the last couple of weeks. It's not who I want to be. I apologize for the version of me that you've gotten because it's not, it's not me. And all that anyone's going to remember about anything we do is how you go out. It's the last two weeks. You could be the yeah. best employee for 20 years. You fucking light the place on fire the day you go out. That's all anyone's going to remember. And I was like, oh, yeah. and I explained to them, there's not an excuse for my behavior, but I've, I need you to understand, I've literally felt like I've been fighting for my life and it did not bring out the best in me and I'm sorry. And they said, I really appreciate that. And then we went back and filmed and it That's made awesome. the next two weeks so much better. Yeah. And I'm not always that good at cleaning up my mess. I do have to yeah. say that, but- I felt like I did, and it made a big difference. But you can also see in that story, you were able to calm yourself down enough, like you came out of the fear. Yeah. There's really something there for you that that seems like when you can, when you're not in overdrive trying to not be scared, there's more access to your rational side yeah, of you. for sure, for sure. I mean, when I get into the place where I am scared and probably not just not, not recognizing I am, I will, I will, I mean- Oh, you're probably a fighter, right? Just like, like fucking knock you out. <laughs> I, the thing we think is really interesting, a really interesting distinction, and this is something that I thought about for myself a lot, is that no one's saying you shouldn't be a fighter. That is a tool that is in your kit yeah. that you are a fucking killer at. And I would never, ever suggest that you throw that away. What I am suggesting is that you build out other tools yeah. and have the ability to not use the tool. Yeah. What I know about myself is that there's certain tools I have, like, like I'm a runner. Like if I was dating you like back in the day and I was like thinking I'm going to end this, I already had, I like for months in oh advance God, I would of me be trying so to get mean. out, yeah. stealing my t-shirts back, like get, I want to first get all my things yeah. out of the house, you know, before I could leave. And yeah. then I, and then by the time I left, it was over. There was no conversation. The door is shut. It's over. Yeah. And that had served me for when I was being hurt, but I didn't have any choice. Yeah in the matter and I had to do it. And so it's like being able to see when I'm triggered and that, you know, and again, like it is very wokey words, but knowing like, oh shit, I'm in my 12 year old and I'm packing and I'm trying to run, like yeah. catching it and being like, do I have something else I, at my disposal I could use I right now? I think that's the other tool that I've really leaned on in the last year is just giving like some breathing room. So even, yeah. even very recently. So when the show was not getting carried on in the in the iteration it was that day that week that month that couple months we're a few months out now there were so many times where i you know felt things or said things or started writing an instagram post or sending an email and i was like you know what anything i feel now i can feel in a week i can feel in a week and a half. i can feel in 3 hours but just give it a moment, let it breathe. And if I still feel this way, then I can project it. Because a lot of times yeah. I just yeah. jump to that first emotion, which is like fear or anger. And even on, there's a, a 
local uh, reporter who reached out like day one this all happened and, I, and he wanted to comment. You were like, not today, friend. And I was like, not right now. And then he reached out a month later and I was like, still not right now. He reached out a month later. So he actually came this morning and he emailed me on Friday and he was like, now? The season premiere has been announced now. And I said, and I was, I was on one. I was like, now. And I create, I made this whole document. So I made sure I had all the notes when we met on Monday. And we're going to go through this, 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 this. And I was so mad. And then the weekend happened and he came today. And I still had all that same information, but I just presented it in a much more palatable way to any other human. I thought I'd yeah. talked to him that same day. He'd been like, she is psycho. Take this with a grain of salt. But just the time allowed me to process and then give back information in a way that people can actually hear it. Because I think that's the biggest problem. It's saying things so people can hear them. It's just being in that right mindset to like give and receive the information that I've gotten much more in tune with and I think better at. And that's super helpful. Yeah. The pause is critical. The pause is critical. And anything you can do to pause any of the habits or things that you've built that protect you that aren't serving you. Yeah. The pause works for all of that. Yeah. Hey, y'all. I have a question for you. Have you been listening to Well Adjusting and secretly or maybe not so secretly thinking, geez, I have a problem. And I bet Robin and producer Steph might actually be able to help me make some headway. Now, if that's the case, I have to tell you, this is your sign from the universe to reach out to us about being on Well Adjusting. I'm telling you, it is a sign. Get in touch. It's so simple. Just email us at hello at editodd.io, or you can hit me up on the socials. I'm at at RealRobHops on all the platforms. And I have to tell you, we would love to hear from you. We'd love to have you on the show. What is it that you are waiting for? Hit us up. Let's solve the world's problems. No, okay, that that bar is way too high. Let's let's just have some laughs and and get into it. We're going to all feel better for doing so. I swear. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. What's so interesting is I thought when we first started talking that we might end up talking about like what's next for you. And it's so clear it's not about what's next for you because if we learn nothing in this time together is you're a fucking fighter and a hustler and your next thing is going to be humongous, whatever it is. Just can you be gentle with yourself along the way is I think the uh, is the question that is the biggest question. Maybe a little bit. I don't know. I think you can. I want to say one thing because I do feel like that's like a little floofy for Mina because Mina's like, okay, no, like I need the checklist of things. I have a chunk of bone in my thumb right now because I chopped myself with a chainsaw. So gentle is not in the vocabulary, but we can be like less aggressive. I feel like taking space away from and then like, you know, trying to separate your identity from the mean things or at least yeah. adding in some nice things if you are going to take on the mean things. Yeah. Well, it, okay, and I want to clarify about the gentle thing too cuz I cuz I want to say this. When I say that to me, it's like I will be thinking 
oh my God, like I have 400 things to do. You're fucking lazy. Like, why didn't you start work at seven? You knew you had a big day and this week was going to be crazy and someone's visiting. Like when I say be gentle, I just mean like, can I just stop yelling at myself? Like today, can I not yell at myself like I'm yelling at a toddler? You know, can I just do that? And what I found, and this to me is why I think it's so important. What I found is I actually get more work done when I get off my own back. Yeah. Because I'm not sitting there being like, fuck, and then like getting on social media because I'm trying to avoid my feelings or and then the panic rising and and my work is better. And the day is like calmer and well, nicer. I and think it's like there's been so many people that have been involved in like my just regular day to day circle and my decisions have an effect on that for a long time it felt like I have to I know y'all don't believe that the decision I made was the right one. So I am going to work so hard that you will have no way to question that this was the right thing. And that's slowed down a bit. And I I think that was a big part of it is like, if I'm not doing everything I possibly can to support this decision I made and make sure it works, then when it doesn't work, people are going to be like, yeah, see, we told you that wasn't a good idea. So I use that as kind of like this protection mechanism. And because I've like just kind of, honestly, I was forced to slow down. And it's been the best thing that's happened. This has been so wonderful. And myself, I've always been a fan of your show. And I am a big fan of your podcast. I loved being on your podcast. I love chatting with you. And I know that I speak for everyone when I say that we can't wait to see what you do next. It'll be it'll be epic. So I we're we're out here. We're watching. Thank you for having me on. Uh, I will come back anytime. I've got so many on so many years we could unpack. (laughs) Thank you so much. No problem. Thank you, guys. Well, let's get a little deeper. Woo, what an absolute fantastic conversation. Oh, yeah. Right? I mean, it just blows my mind thinking about all these protection mechanisms that we set up. And that moment where she talked about what she would do if a bear came in the room? I mean, <laughs> that is a hilarious question. Oh, yeah. And like, if a bear came into the room with me, like, you know, I'd be like corralling people, oh, organizing, yeah. like we'd have a full PTA situation <laughs> going. I mean, this is, by the way, why we love working together, because I'm the exact same person. Yeah. I would be like the Titanic, like women and children <laughs> out first. And then we'd be like, we're going down with the ship. And oh, we yeah. would have plans. It'd be a whole thing. Oh, yeah. The color coding, like yeah. traffic directing, the yeah. whole thing. Like we'd have different lines of people <laughs> to fight the bear like we'd yeah because you know we would find each other we'd be like okay that's an organizer that person yeah Yeah. but here's the thing i'm pretty clear that's not what everybody would do and i was dying to hear other people's protection mechanisms or their go-to like trauma tools and so uh we we did a little thing we we did an audio poll take a listen if i'm at an event and a bear comes you know charging in my first instinct is going to be like, let's smash this bear. You know, I'm like immediately on the fighter mode. And like, I don't know if that's great. Maybe the bear just wants to hang out. Maybe it's a friendly bear. Uncertain. But I, I can tell you my gut instinct will be like, how do I kill this bear? My immediate instinct would be to be like, what the fuck? And then scream and then laugh. And then, I don't know, try and jump out the window. I think I actually am able to be extremely calm. I would immediately get up out of my chair and go, holy fuck, is that a bear? And then I would run, which is not A, what you're supposed to do, or B, considerate of anyone else. Someone's got to remain calm. 
I like to think it would be me, but I also know that I can just freeze up on the spot and maybe I'm not as brave as I think I am. I would jump in front of the people to protect them, probably. I would definitely just save myself. <laughs> just make sure that I get out safe. My first reaction would probably be to do nothing because I would think it was really cute and I would think that for some reason I was special and that it would let me pet it. I'm gonna look for whoever looks like they would know what to do <laughs> with the bear. So yeah, the whole bear question. I mean, I kind of think it sounds like a bad joke, like a bear walks into a bar, but it's a really great question. And I don't know, folks listening, I'm asking you now, what would you do? Are you a feelings person who maybe just like cries in the corner? Or are you like a fuck it, every man for himself kind of person? Let us know what you would do when the bear attacks at Real Rob Hops on all the social platforms, because we want to hear from you. And here's what I have to say, no matter who you are, I think the thing that we really hit upon today is that protection mechanisms are not a bad thing. I think that they have saved many of us from all kinds of traumatic situations. But really, the big question is, can we work toward having some choice in whether or not we fly into action or maybe take a nap or cry or eat over our feelings or drink? Can we slow down in the moment of crisis and maybe feel some feelings, be gentle with ourselves and take that next right action? Uh, I don't know. Can we, Steph? I friggin' hope so. I mean, we're working on it, right? And I, I feel like for right now, that's good enough. Yes. Okay. All right, friends, that is it for today. And hey, if you are out there and you're listening, you've got a problem, you want to pick it apart with us, do not be shy. Drop us an email at hello at editodd.io, or you can DM me on any of those social platforms, again, at Real Rob Hops. And I have to say, thanks so much to Mina for joining us today and sharing her story. While we are waiting for your next big thing, Mina, we are all going to be out here listening to your pod, Mina AF. I know I am. Well Adjusting is an edit audio original, exec produced by Steph Colburn and Robin Hopkins. Thank you to Maria Passingham, Kathleen Speckert, and the whole edit audio team. Oh, hey, before you take out those AirPods, this show is just for entertainment. If you are in need of help, please, please, please reach out to a professional. Go ahead and get that help. You deserve it.